This is First Down Dynasty, right here on the Sports Ethos Network. Welcome back to another edition of First Down Dynasty, right here on the Sports Ethos Network and wherever you find your favorite podcast. I am Eric Kravit. I am the Krav. I am one in three against the man across the internet, across multiple highways and parkways, and across the internet superhighway. It is Bill Nye, the Dynasty guy. And what a lovely record that is. But see, it's such a weird thing because not all leagues are created equal. And yes, I am three and one against mm-hmm. Eric Kravit so far this year. Lucky you. But it, but it's it's the one I would trade. At least, you know, I'd probably trade all three wins for the one win. I'm sh- I gotta be brutally honest. Listen, when when it comes to the league that matters most, uh, I have had a stranglehold on doing well in that league for quite a number of years now. Let us know what your best league is on X while we're still there. Apparently, you're gonna be have to uh, be charged to use it soon. So while um, I ain't paying for that shit. You're not no, paying we, for that we, shit. We ain't paying for that shit. I, I got an invite for Blue Sky waiting in my. Uh, inbox so we're going to be on blue sky at some point but until then follow us on x at fdd underscore ethos or also on x at bnk radio and you know if x and blue sky fail you we might be on facebook you might be checking to see what your uncle's up to on facebook and see a couple of schmucks talking dynasty football and you might want to hang out with us you never know rate us on your favorite uh podcast app if you'd be so kind, rate us fairly. Just don't give us five stars because you we want it. Give it to us because we earn it. Help us be better at helping you. And one person, we just have to jump right into it, who is no longer going to be able to help anybody this year, possibly for the remainder of his life, at least from a fantasy football standpoint. And this is real tough because everybody was huge into this guy this year. Last night... Nick Chubb injured the same leg he injured in college, and the injury was so gruesome, ESPN refused to play the replay. When you have ESPN refusing to play a replay, ESPN is the same network that showed the DeMar Hamlin hit multiple times, and he almost died on the field. So if you're going to tell me that you can show me the DeMar Hamlin play more than once, and not this Nick Chubb play more than once. Something is awfully wrong. Oh, well, obviously that hit had a terrible result, but the action itself was not bad. Well, when you watch this replay, there's very few leg injuries that I've seen, especially in slow motion, worse than this. Watching the Joe Theismann play comes to mind. Watching the Sean Livingston play from years ago in the NBA, that comes to mind. Outside of those two off the top of my head, I think there was one other college basketball game where the gruesome worse knee injury. I don't remember which specific one that was. This was one of the worst things I've seen on a football field where a knee is not supposed to do that. And it was nearly in a perpendicular location from where it should have been at one point. It was bad. I never want to have to see that again. And you know, you don't want to think about a career-ending injury, but if he has full normal function of his knee after he is rehab and he never sets foot on a football field again, I would consider that a victory from how that looked. 
I mean, you, 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 Joe Theismann comes to mind. You said it. I was going to bring up the college basketball. Alex Smith also comes to mind. Alex, okay, yep, Alex Smith. Um, a horrible career-ending leg injury to the point where we saw a video of him a couple of years ago playing with his kids in his front yard, and he looked like a newborn baby ostrich just trying to figure out how to take one step in front of the other. It was tough to watch. And if Nick Chubb is able to come back from this and walk again, let alone pretend to, to care about playing football, like that would be, I mean, it would be nothing short of miraculous for him to come back and walk. This isn't me trying to advocate for him to come back to play football. First and foremost, please get better. Please walk again. And a lot of talking heads are saying that it's career ending. We haven't heard anything from Nick Chubb or his camp yet. So we don't know if he's going to attempt to come back like Aaron Rodgers is going to attempt to come back. He confirmed that on the Pat McAfee show. At least he was going to until the Jets got curb stomped in Dallas. But we can talk about that another time. Um, we, we hope that Nick Chubb gets better. We hope that Nick Chubb recovers. And we hope you had the wherewithal to pick up Jerome Ford before this past week. Because if you were able to, you were rewarded with, at minimum, a mid-running back two. But now, Will, Jerome Ford steps into an incredibly unique opportunity to take over for Nick Chubb in that Stefanski offense that ran through Chubb. Do you think Jerome Ford is, one, ready to take the reins, and B, do you think that the offense changes at all? Do you think that they try to play more through Deshaun Watson and make him live up to that $230 million deal that they signed him to? Well, they definitely theoretically should, but based on what I saw last night, and the Steelers' defense is no joke, but I saw a guy in Deshaun Watson that has three very solid weapons and continues to make mistakes. This is a run-first team, even with those weapons and the quarterback they brought in. I do think it's possible it's a little bit more balanced. Is Jerome Ford going to be Nick Chubb? No. Nick Chubb is going to be impossible to completely replace. But I did see Jerome Ford get hit behind the line for negative three yards and somehow turn it into a 10-yard gain. So there is talent there, no doubt. Reportedly, they are bringing in Kareem Hunt for an interview for a, a visit again, but even then, the problem I have with this is, let's say even if they sign Kareem Hunt, I'm talking to you, Jerome Ford owners or future potential owners, it's going to be his show because they had the opportunity all offseason to bring back Kareem Hunt, and they chose Jerome Ford and some of the other running backs you know, in their program over paying Kareem Hunt, and that also includes trading for Pierre uh, Pierre Strong, excuse me, instead of signing Kareem Hunt at that point. So, much, yes, I agree. Much, how much of that do you think was money, though? Because apparently, and if you, like, you know how we talk about coach speak a lot mm -hmm. in the early season? This could be camp speak. According to Kareem Hunt's camp, they're weighing a lot of options. They're weighing quite a number of teams. Kareem Hunt is apparently in very, very, very high demand. That does, well, does he sign with... What is, do you even? I don't even think he, he might. He might not even play this year. He might just be bluffing. It's it's also possible, which is also crazy because we had David Montgomery went down, Saquon got hurt, Chubb obviously the big injury, uh, Jamal Williams got hurt. There's at least three other running backs that I'm not even thinking. But the point is, a lot of running backs went down. So if Kareem Hunt didn't have any offers at this point, that would be more scary because it tells me that. 
you know, Kareem Hunt is just done, which last year, remind you, he didn't have a great year. We all are in love with the idea of Kareem Hunt based on what he's done overall for his career. But last year, comparatively, it was supposed to be another split between him and Chubb, and it was mostly Chubb. So maybe Kareem Hunt really doesn't have a lot left in the tank, which is probably why he's not getting offers to his liking. I mean, we saw him last year. And backing up Nick Chubb playing in front of uh, the Ernest Johnson and Jerome Ford, he did not look great. Kareem Hunt was somebody who people had a lot of high hopes for, and he just did not live up to them. So Jerome Ford, not only did he, he, he had a very long run also. Jerome Ford had an incredibly long run. He also had four targets, caught three of them for 25 yards, and one of them was a touchdown. Jerome Ford could end up being a, dare I say, league winner. If you were, I hope so. If you were able to go and get him, or if you had him on your roster, um, uh, for uh, for for a little bit of time, maybe you stashed him last year. Maybe you stashed him last year along with another running back who is turning into something special-ish. He he's like a Walmart brand, good value brand Tony Pollard to um Najee Harris's Ezekiel Elliott. Jalen Warren is turning into the 1A to Najee Harris's 1B. And name pretty. It's not a good thing. I'm not sitting here saying that I'm very happy about it. But Jalen Warren is somebody who came into the league last year, didn't play incredibly well, was on the field. His best game, he was on the field for 51% of the snaps. It's not somebody that you're going to hitch your wagon to to be your number one running back. But he could be a little bit of a, a little bit of a flexy play. He's only he's only 24, second year in the league. Najee Harris is turning into a jag right before our very eyes. He's Trent Richardson 2.0 at this point. Ran the ball six times for 20 yards last night. He caught four balls for 66 yards. And that was in a game where the offense was sputtering. It was Jalen Warren, George Pickens, and nobody else. Do you think Jalen Warren, A, is worth the pickup, and B, does he have some staying power if Najee Harris continues to struggle? Well, I watch it. First of all, Jalen Warren is most likely owned in all your dynasty leagues. If he's not, well, if he's not, then you should own everybody and you should be winning. That's and invite us to those leagues. But uh, Jalen Warren, we all knew he was going to carve out a role. I watch it, though, and like, you mentioned his receiving numbers. That's really been the best part of his game. He had two rushes where he gained yards, and the rest of his rushes last night were bad. The Steelers' offensive line is still bad, and I think that's the problem is myself especially was looking at the line, especially the draft pick they stole from the Jets. Screw you, New England. But the point is their line was supposed to be better, and quite frankly, it just is not. So the difference is neither one is doing great on the ground right now. I don't think these Najee struggles are purely his own. I think the fact that, you know, even if they have Pickens, the fact that Pickens really is the only guy. Allen Robinson didn't step up last night. Briarmouth was mostly used to block because they need help. And without Deontay Johnson and Pickett, you know, there's a very similar situation between the Steelers and the Jets. Teams are just going to load up the box until the quarterback proves he can consistently beat them otherwise. So I think they're loading the box. 
Jalen Warren did not have a lot of running room either outside of two plays, and Najee had nothing going on except for two plays of his own. But Jalen Warren's a better receiver out of the backfield, and that's why his value is probably going to hold up a little bit more this season unless things change overall with that offense. So both have value. Jalen Warren should be owned. If not, invite me. Thank you. Yeah, just just let it let us help your leagues get more competitive. That's the nicest way that we could possibly say that. Let BNK Billy and the Crab help you be more competitive in your leagues. And speaking of competitive leagues, if for some odd reason you're in a league and Cooper Cup 2.0 the literal league winner, at least at this early stage in this season, Puka Nakua. If he was not picked up, do yourself a favor. Pause this episode of uh, First Down Dynasty literally right now. Go to your waiver wire. Make a claim. Empty all of your free agent bucks if you play that way. Drop anybody on your bench. Hell, you can probably drop some people in your starting lineup. And make sure you go ahead and get Puka Nakua if he, A, wasn't drafted, and B, is still sitting on your waiver wire. It would be insane to me, and will, if somehow he's still there. And Puka's been my guy for months. I don't have enough of him because you try to change up a few draft picks here and there. But Puka was one of my guys, especially for like third round or later in your rookie drafts. I do have several of him, and even I was not predicting this. I thought he was going to be a solid receiver. I thought he was going to be able to come in right away and help, especially with the lack of options behind Cooper Cup. And now without Cooper Cup, it kind of emphasizes the fact that we'll mention him again later for other reasons. Van Jefferson, not good. And Tutu Atwell, okay, but more of a slot receiver than anything else. Puka Nakua really is the best receiver on that team with Cooper Cup on the IR. And no one saw this coming. Not, not even like this is this is ridiculous what's happening right now. Neither one of us. Um, I got him in the league that I'm supposed to be tanking in, and he's still sitting on my taxi squad. I'm scared to put him in my lineup because I might start winning some games. Wow. He's well, my he's he's my fourth receiver right now. Dynasty sure does change your outlook on whether or not you start, guys. I have four first-round picks. I need, desperately, to keep my scoring potential as low as possible. And it's legal in this league. I'm still setting up. I'm still putting Chris Olave, Jalen Waddle, Lowell Najee Harris, Javante, Javante Williams, who is Will's favorite player at the moment, and Mark Andrews into my lineups. It's not like I'm playing to lose. But I just can't justify putting Puka Nakua in my lineup because he's been playing so well. And part of that is because of a resurgent Matt Stafford, who a lot of people gave up on last year. I know I traded him away in a dynasty league. I got a second round pick back for him, I think. He's been playing like it's 2010, 2012 right about now. He has looked great. Especially with the limited options that he's had around him. Kyron Williams has stepped up. We're going to talk about his replacement in about 15 minutes or so. So the the, per, the, pure, the person he replaced, sorry, we're going to talk about that guy in a couple of minutes. Tyler Higby is still serviceable, but the targets that were supposed to go to Higby are obviously going to Puka. 
Tutu Atwell, like Will said, is more of a slot guy, more of a gadgety kind of guy, but he's been playing very well too. The Rams are surprising a lot of people. They hung tough with the San Francisco 49ers. It didn't feel like it was a complete overmatch. The irony of them supposed to be bad and now are not bad, coinciding with it's the first time they're going to have their own first-round pick in seven years, is just hilarious to me. They don't know how to do this right. No, they don't. They're, they're employing the Kravit dynasty method. <laughs> and, and the KDM, it ain't great. Um, we got to talk about a couple of Reynolds on the Lions, Will. Both Josh and Craigie. Mm. I, I, we, we, we do like both. Josh Reynolds has proved, at least at this point, he is wide receiver two on that team behind Amon Roth St. Brown. He's got a few more games before Jameson Williams comes back, so we'll see how that mix works. Once that happens, and uh, Sam Laporta, another rookie, you know, right up there with him as far as, you know, targets and his place in that offense. And unfortunately, David Montgomery did go down for an injury. No idea exactly how long, but they're estimating about three weeks. So that leaves Craig Reynolds to take a big step because, as we talked about, Jamar Gibbs, amazing talent. Not really the kind of guy you want running between the tackles 15 to 20 times a game more of an outside of the box and slot receiver weapon out of the running back spot. So Craig Reynolds definitely is going to have an opportunity to fill in in the David Montgomery role. I don't know if we see him in the David Montgomery role. I don't think Craig, uh, Craig Reynolds is that big of a guy. If I'm being honest with you, let's, let's do a quick look up of Mr. Craig Reynolds. Hold on. But he is, he is more expendable than getting Jamar Gibbs injured. That's uh, yeah, J- J- like yeah. Jameer old. Gibbs is very expendable. J- Craig Reynolds is only five eleven and two sixteen, so he's a little That's, bit of a bowling. He's, ball. he's a stocky guy. He, he's he's a bit of a bowling ball. Whereas Jameer Gibbs, let's look up his measurables. He's five nine two hundred. He's still a little bit of a stocky kind of guy. Five nine yeah, is they... a little bit shorter, but two hundred pounds ain't nothing to scoff at, especially no. when you move the way he does. That's fair. Mike Reynolds has also filled in in this role previously, so yeah. I just expect an uptick. I, I, I listen. You don't. Reynolds is on our list for uh, pickups for a reason. Um, Zach Moss is somebody who you should have already picked up. Um, Deion Jackson looked literally horrendous week one, and they had nobody else to run the ball, especially now that Anthony Richardson is in concussion protocol. We don't know what his deal is. If Gardner Minshew is starting. Give me Zach Moss. Give me Zach Moss all day, every day. And we are Gardner Minshew fans. There were points in time where Will and I both wanted him to be the starting quarterback of our New York Jets. This is oh, there are there were worse options, yes. There there is a worse option in the backfield for the Jets, and literally right now, but we're not here to talk about that. We're not here to talk about that. We could talk about that for goddamn hours. Zach Moss actually had a very productive game, over 20 fantasy points this past weekend. And he figures to be the lead back in Indianapolis for a while, especially because Jonathan Taylor is still somebody who they want to trade. Do they, though? Uh, Maybe. I'm getting mixed vibes from that front office. It is so weird, that front office. I don't know how to read them. Because apparently they asked for A.J. Dillon and Christian Watson from the Packers. They asked for Jalen Waddle in a first from the Dolphins. Listen, if you're trying to make outlandish trade offers, at least let me help you. 
Hook it up with me. I am a master of trying to cobble together offers and to make things happen. It's literally what I do. But even Until though people get wise those it. offers are, even for me, those offers are outlandish. In, 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 in real life, Jalen Waddle is more valuable than Jonathan Taylor just by logistics. By, it's true. By it's the just numbers. The irony of them demanding top talent in a trade for a top tier running back, but then telling him he's not a top tier running back and they're not going to pay him like a top tier running back. Uh, the irony is just, it's not lost on me. I will say that. Uh, and I'm sure, Kravit, it, it, it pains you to see the downfall of Deion Jackson, who was once your ad of the week. I mean, the one week that he was the ad of the week, he had 23 points. He was a literal running back one. That one week, that one week, Deion Jackson played well, and I sold him for a 2023 second. I love Deion Jackson. Deion, <laughs> and it was only downhill from there. It was only downhill from there. Just a couple of back-end running backs to try to pick up. Um, we'll mention it a little bit earlier. Saquon Barkley has an ankle sprain. He's week to week, but apparently, according to Brian Dable, he's a game-time decision. It's a very weird situation up here with the Giants. Matt Breida is probably available on your waiver wire if you're trying to win your games. Pick up Matt Breida. Tony Jones is available as well. Like Will said once again, Jamal Williams is hurt. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Kendra Miller is supposed to play this week, make his season debut the week Alvin Kamara, the week before Alvin Kamara comes back. Keep that in mind, but if you need a quick fix, Tony Jones could be your guy. And I don't like this next person on our list because I drafted him last year and he burned me when he was with the Texans. He burned me so bad. He wasn't with the Texans. He was with the Titans. I got my T's mixed up. Robert Woods screwed me last year. And I don't know how to feel about it. Especially now that he's playing well. I will tell you, but the problem is we read the situation completely wrong. And that was, we still thought there would be enough targets, but we forgot one thing. In spite of what the numbers tell you, Ryan Tannehill is not a good quarterback. And that system was not meant for anyone other than Derrick Henry to really succeed as evidenced by the fact that you have DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks, and neither one of them are getting used the right way. But I digress. C.J. Stroud has been the best quarterback from this draft class so far through two games. Richardson, right there, but obviously the way he plays, he is injured way too often. And another concussion already after leaving week one with a different injury. So he has started two NFL games. He has not finished either one. Not a good sign. Stroud has looked good. He's gotten all his receivers involved. Robert Woods, the veteran, leading the way, but also getting Tank Dell involved, Mechie, and it is finally Eric Kravitz. Time that we say it is Nico Collins' season. Oh, I'm so happy. I am so God damn happy. It is finally Nico Collins' season. Will, 20 targets over the first two weeks, leads the league in receiving yards. I cannot tell you how much I love C.J. Stroud. 
I cannot tell you how much I love the fact that that offensive line is not good and he's got to get the ball out quick. And I cannot tell you how much I hate the fact that Damian Pierce can't get a yard. Can't tell you how much that pains me. We're not here to talk about that. We're not here to talk about pain. You're here to talk about joy. And Nico Collins, Nico Collins is my joy. I have been a Nico Collins truther from the very beginning. I drafted him in a bunch of redraft leagues. I've held on to him in a bunch of these dynasty leagues. And I can't tell you how rewarding it is to finally see Nico Collins emerge as true number one for a team. And not just because it's the Texans. He would actually be a reasonable top receiving option for a number of teams in the NFL. Very exciting time to right now be a Nico Collins owner. It is not, however. Oh, you were going to say something. Go ahead. I'm just, I can't remember if I was really a believer in Stroud or kind of forced to because I ended up with like the fifth pick in like three leagues and I needed a quarterback in all of them. So he was the only one left in all those leagues. So I was kind of forced to take him. But obviously, very happy, at least at this point. I mean, I took him I took him pretty early in a lot of redrafts. I, I was a believer that I was that kind of guy. Um, as lucky as I am to be a Nico Collins shareholder, I am just as unlucky, at least at this moment in time, to be a Cam Akers shareholder. Cam Akers was a healthy scratch this past weekend. And Sean McVay said that it was in the best interest of the team. Which means that Cam Akers will very, very, very likely not be a member of the Los Angeles Rams within the next 48 to 72 hours. He is gone. Do you think he's stealing McVay's pudding or lunch out of the fridge? I I can't figure out, like, as talented he is now, he's got the injury history to go from starting running back week one to benched and inactive week two, this is behind the scenes stuff. This is not related to what happens on a football field. And I have no idea what to make of it other than Kyron Williams is talented and Kyron Williams is going to have a crazy season if he shows anything like the usage we just saw this past week, especially with no acres to really back him up anymore. It's very rare that we get this like peek behind the curtain in the NFL because a lot of a lot of these issues are normally dealt with in house, right? Like even the Antonio Brown stuff, a lot of the Odell Beckham Jr. stuff when he was up here with the Giants, a lot of that was internal. We didn't really get to see the inner workings of exactly what it was to deal with a quote unquote diva in the NFL. But now that Sean McVay has lifted up his skirt, so to speak, and showed us the goods, will anybody other than Cleveland actually try to move for Cam Akers? Because apparently, like, like, he's on the last year of his rookie deal. He's not going to be owed any money after this year, so that might be an incentive to sign him. But where is he going to go other than Cleveland if they choose to, you know, give Jerome Ford some support that isn't Pierre Strong Jr. And is that team ready to prepare for this, uh, I'm assuming, a headache? Who's going to deal with this guy? I don't know, especially when you have Hunt and Fournette still available and they don't have to trade anything to get them. Just a little bit of money. So at this point in time, 
I'm really not sure where he ends up, if he ends up somewhere. You know, maybe, you know, as a backup in Arizona, maybe they don't really, like, Keontae Ingram's shown a little bit, nothing great, and James Conner eventually will miss a game this season. So, you know, potentially there. Other than that, really not sure. Uh, but Cam Akers in redraft is probably droppable. But as far as Dynasty is concerned, if you can, you know, hang on to him a little bit, I got to hope that you could fit him on your taxi if they have, like, year through year three eligibility. Other than that, it may be the time to cut him. But I, I it's hard to see a future if he's not even active anymore, been replaced after one week, has already had an Achilles repaired. Uh, it's it's not looking promising. No. I, I I have a lot of Cam Akers, and I'm very upset with the way that this is uh, – has developed because at the end of last year, the dude was the in the top five running backs. He was ridiculously productive last year. And now all of a sudden he can't get on the field. And yes, Kyron Williams has looked impressive. He's even said he's there to do literally whatever they ask him to do. He's there to pass protect. He's there to, you know, catch passes from Stafford. He's there to do a bunch of things. And I guess that's the attitude that McVay wants because makers ain't giving him that. Not by a long shot. Uh, we mentioned the disappointment that is Deion Jackson, so I don't really think we need to sort of, I don't know. Like, we don't need to go over that. But, Will, this next person is very near and very dear to you, somebody in Dynasty that you can cut. Um he was uh, near and dear to me a couple of years ago, but you've really gone to bat for Hunter Renfro year in and year out, and now he just sort of looks like an afterthought. Well, we we here on First End Dynasty and always as BNK have been a fan of the slotty receiver, the gritty guy, and for years with the Raiders, that's exactly what Hunter Renfro was. Uh, two years ago, got thrust into a better position, had a career year. Injuries derailed him last year, but was on his way to having a solid season before that. And now he can barely get a target. He is behind Devonta Adams and Jacoby Myers. And even still without Myers this past week, did not garner any attention. So as of right now with the Raiders, he's virtually dead. So if there's someone available to pick up, you can drop him without real worry. If he eventually makes it to a different team, may change. But for right now, with this team, if he stays there, he's dead in the water. And so, unfortunately, you can drop him. And as, you know, Puka Power comes uh, full string, Van Jefferson has proven that he is another version of Chosen Anderson. Wow, that is... Whew. Ooh, those are fighting words, Will. But are they wrong? I, I did. I, I chose my words very carefully. Mm. I didn't say that they were incorrect or wrong or anything of the sort. But to compare Van Jefferson to Chosen Robbie and whatever combination of Chosen Robbie and Anderson he's going by nowadays, I'm honestly unsure because he doesn't fall on my radar, even from a dynasty standpoint. Van Jefferson has been a colossal disappointment over the first two weeks of the season. He, he He's dropped a couple of really easy passes. One of them would have gone for a long game, possibly a touchdown. 
And with the emergence of Puka, like Will said, there's no point. Why is he on the roster? Especially Tutu Atwell has been in the league for years, and all of a sudden, he supplanted Van Jefferson. Tutu Atwell was not supposed to be this good. He was supposed to be a gadgety kind of guy, like your Percy Harvins. And who's the other guy I'm thinking of? It doesn't matter who the other guy I'm thinking of is. Tutu Atwell was not supposed to be fantasy relevant this year, and yet here he is. Two back-to-back weeks with 100 yards and just out of his playing, playing really well. Van Jefferson is going to be the odd man out, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's traded by the trade deadline. I'm sure, I wouldn't, wouldn't shock me. Yeah. There, there are teams that could probably use him. Darnell Mooney was hurt. Chicago needs another wide receiver, even though that offense looks horrible. Hell, even the Jets can use another body of wide receiver. Not saying I want Van Jefferson. Not saying I want it to be Van Jefferson saying that right now, but we can use another body on the outside to help Garrett and Zach. <sighs> but with with that, you bring up Justin Fields, and we'd be remiss to say he looks putrid. And he's going in the wrong direction, especially after such a great fantasy season last year that was predominantly built around his legs and his rushing ability. And this year he's standing in the pocket. And he's throwing, and it's not horrible. It's just it's not productive either. And you know what? I understand the uh, want to improve your pocket passing. But if you are fantastic at running the ball and not getting hurt, then do that. And I'm not talking to Justin Fields. I'm talking to the coaching staff. Why are you trying to restrain him so much that he does not even resemble himself. This is what they should do. They should focus at least an hour a week in practice on Justin Fields' pocket presence. Have him run drills solely from the pocket. Don't do anything else. Just run three wide, four wide, play action from the gun. Whatever it is you need to do for Justin Fields, make sure he does not leave the pocket and make sure that he figures out a way to do that. And as he does that, ease him into it over the course of the year. They've only run two designed runs for him the entire year so far. And they have gone nowhere. Average less than three yards a carry on designed runs for Justin Fields this year. Last year, you already know, blew those numbers out of the water. The one thing I will say for Justin Fields is he didn't really emerge as a fantasy football um, option until the second half of last year. So it's possible that he does turn it around, but that doesn't mean DJ Moore is going to be fantasy relevant. Darnell Mooney has a knee injury, but he wasn't going to be fantasy relevant anyway. I know it was a big Cole Komet guy. I don't think he's going to be fantasy relevant. No, sir, not this year. Dante Foreman was a healthy scratch this past weekend. Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson could still be fantasy relevant, but if I have any bears, I'm doing my best to sell. And I have DJ Moore, and I've been trying actively to sell DJ Moore. I know I'm not doing myself any favors by saying I'm trying to sell. I'm an honest guy. I'm not going to sit here and try to bamboozle people, although I may or may not have a reputation of doing so. I'm here to be honest with you guys, because that is what I do. That's what Will does. If you have bears, move them. Get rid of them. You don't need them. You never will. At least not at this point in time. Um... I'm, it, it's tough because while we're talking about getting rid of people, we're on the second week of the year. 
and we have two rookies that have continued to underperform. And if this was a redraft show, I would say move on. I would say get her on, keep it moving, how you doing? But Quinton Johnston and Zach Charbonnet have been nothing short of fantasy disappointments over the first two weeks of this season. QJ specifically wasted a decent first-round pick on him. Keenan Allen is still that guy. Mike Williams was hurt a little bit in the first week, but uh, Quentin Johnson couldn't crack the lineup. And Josh Palmer is still there. Quentin Johnson can't get on the field, and when he's on the field, he doesn't do anything. It's frustrating. No, it absolutely is. And there's two kinds of rookies when you break down any rookie draft. There's rookies expected immediately to contribute, and then there's rookies that probably won't their rookie season and that you're building for the future for. However, Quentin Johnson and Zach Charbonnet were in the former category. They were expected to be immediate contributors. Now, everyone thought Zach Charbonnet was going to be RB1, which I did not believe that. I definitely thought he was going to be the backup. But they thought that he'd be a little bit more involved than he has been. Quentin Johnson, talented as he is, it's not going to happen his rookie year unless Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both get hurt, which you know, uh, does have the propensity to happen, so it is possible. But right now, not startable. Put him back on your taxi if there's any better options for you. Uh, along with a guy that I know Kravitz was high on, Tank Digsby. Everyone thought he was going to be, you know, pounding the rock behind Etienne. You're going to have, like, another earth, wind, and fire situation Ooh. down in Jacksonville. But, uh, not happening so far. I can't. I, I can't tell you how sad I am. That damn. I'm. I can't tell you how mad I am. That tank. Uh, tank Bigsby is not a thing. The Ernest Johnson saw carries over Tank Bigsby this week, and I'm going to say that again, closer to the mic. The Ernest Johnson saw more carries this weekend in a close game against the Kansas City Chiefs than Tank Bigsby did. It's not like Tank was outscripted. It's not like it's not like um, Trevor and the Jacksonville Jaguars were playing catch up twenty points down, twenty five points down. They lost that game seventeen. Like it was a very very reasonable game to come back from, and Tank couldn't get his bum ass on the field. I am so sad. To see that Tank did not play well or at all. And it's only week two. I'm not saying to give up on him completely. But you, my, my expectations surely have been tempered. I'm not expecting, you know, goal line carries, maybe 10, 11 points a game. Same thing with Charbonnet. I, I don't think people were expecting Charbonnet to be the 1B or the 1A or anything like that. But... This was supposed to be the year of the rookie running back. You have guys like B. John and Gibbs that are supposed to be performing, and they're performing admirably. B. John, obviously, a step and a half above everybody else. But then you have guys like Devon A. Shane, hurt week one, barely saw the field week two. Kendra Miller has yet to see the field, although he's supposed to play this week. You have Zach Charbonnet. You have Tank Bigsby. You have a bunch of these other lower to mid-level running back guys that people were expecting to play a little bit of a role, and maybe they can later on in the year, but right now, 
taxi them. Try to trade them if you have somebody like me trying to tank who wants to take on you know the risk of these rookie running backs. I, I would try to get rid of them if I could and if I was in the I, position to do so. I tried to trade for a Bijan in one dynasty league. I was rebuffed immediately. Okay, let, 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 let me let me be perfectly clear. When I say trade for or trade away rookie running backs, yes, that does not include B. John Robinson. Well, you don't even know what I offered. Doesn't matter. It included Garrett Wilson. Does it? Oh, then yes, it does matter. Mm. Actually, no, no, it doesn't because if the B. John owner is trying <laughs> to do well now. Garrett Wilson ain't it. Garrett Wilson had two catches last week. One of them was for 69 Big yards. Catches. Big catches. Huge catches. 90% of Zach Wilson's yards for the day. Crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy day for Zach Wilson. But again, this isn't a Jets program. We're not here to bitch and moan about the Jets. We're here to bitch and moan about the Jets not drafting Puka Power. We're here to bitch and moan about the Jets not drafting Tank Dell or Jordan Addison, which they really should have done. Jaden Reed and Sam Laporta, all five of these rookies have been killing it. Just, we've already talked about Puka Power, but Tank Dell, seven catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Is he going to supplant Robert Woods to be the second wide receiver in Houston anytime soon? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I definitely think that, you know, I would probably expect to see more three wide receiver sets, but I think Robert Woods is, you know, a veteran the huddle on the offense compared to this very young Houston offense in general. And he is probably their best run blocking wide receiver. So I do think he's still going to be involved and he's still producing as well, but I do think tank is more explosive. So I definitely think you can see that the craziest thing is you look at the wide receivers, four five and six on this team behind those guys. You're talking about John Mechie, who was a top draft pick from last year, who finally got back after a cancer battle. Congratulations to him. You have Xavier Hutchinson, another rookie receiver from this draft. So they are loaded at wide receiver. So I would not be shocked uh, if anyone gets involved at all. Just a lot of weapons over there. And I'm just going to just start forcing myself to wherever I am in a draft, try to get whatever wide receiver that the Minnesota Vikings draft, because that guy, that guy's going to be good. Unlike how other teams draft wide receivers. I told the story before, but it, it goes to saying again, um, 2019 or 2020. Hold on one second. Let me just uh, make sure that I get, let me just make sure my, I get my years right here. No, 2020. It was 2020, right? Yep. 2020. I joined the dynasty league. I had the first overall pick and the eighth overall pick. And instead of going Jonathan Taylor and Justin Jefferson, I went Clyde Edwards, Alaire and Jalen Rager. And since then, I have done my best to claw my way back to redeem myself for that faux pas. That oh, just that. Wait, 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 wait. You knew. I this. have never actually heard this before. I've said it on this show. I've said it on our old show. I've no, said no, it you, multiple you, times. You know, I knew that you took Rager over Jefferson. You made the same mistake the Eagles make, but I didn't yes. know you had the other. Can you imagine if I made the right picks at both those spots, Jonathan Taylor uh, and Justin Jefferson, as opposed to Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Jalen Rager? I mean, that's the story of every team's draft. It's just kind of like how did yeah, you but you don't you don't you don't have the opportunity guy. to draft both of them at their ADPs. Fair. Like I always think, I like especially guy. in the in applying real world, how in 2010 or 2011, whichever year it was, how anyone looking at the guys at the top of the draft 
saw a picture of J.J. Watt and thought, I'm going to pick anybody over that guy. And he didn't get picked until, like, I think the 12th pick is when he went in the draft. It boggles my mind how anyone just look at a picture of him and thought that that guy deserved to be picked after anyone you took. It, I, I will never figure that out. I, I don't know. I mean, if you're going by pictures, there's a myriad of guys because all these guys are in are in like peak physical condition. They're like goddamn horses. They make them run through obstacles. They make them race. They make them jump. They make them do a bunch of stuff. They're out on display for everybody to see. All these guys are physical specimens that you and I could never even dream of trying to be. So I get, I guess I get what you're saying in that regard. Um, I want to talk about Jaden Reed because I freaking love Jaden Reed. I love Jaden Reed coming out of college, and I even I loved him so much more when he was drafted to the Packers. And now I love him even more that Christian Watson can't see the field. He's basically filled in right where Christian Watson left off as one of the main guys on this offense. And he and Jordan Love, who also, by the way, playing really well in his first full season as the Packers starter. Who knew the Packers knew how to pick quarterbacks or trade for quarterbacks? I didn't. Did you? Did you? I, I, I did not. Uh, yeah, right? No. Bizarre. B- bizarre to see them. They've, they've never done that before. Play so well. Uh, but Jaden Reed, two touchdowns this past weekend. And even if and when Christian Watson comes back, he and Luke Musgrave are going to find ways to contribute on that offense every single week. Um, Luke Musgrave might be available in your redraft leagues. Go get him. Jaden Reed, I started him a couple of le- in a couple of leagues this week, and it worked out marvelously for me. I don't have enough Sam Laporta will. I just don't. I have him in one or two places, and now I'm starting him over – I didn't go tight end heavy in those redrafts. Uh, so I had like Njoku and someone else. So Sam Laporte in my redrafts is now my starting tight end. That happened very, very quickly. And that is not going to change. Unfortunately, I was not able to get enough of these guys in Dynasty. I didn't have a lot of picks this year. Sucks to be you. Yeah, I know. But just as a side note, because I was curious after making that discussion, I looked up the J.J. Watt draft. And I can actually see it because unlike a lot of drafts, the first picks all the way through 14, there is only four. Actually, through the first 16 drafts, 16 picks, there's only four that did not make the Pro Bowl. This was actually a loaded 2011 draft. Let's hear it. And would you believe that three out of the four are all quarterbacks that did not make the Pro Bowl? <laughs> How many of them are Jets? None. Whoa. Yeah. This was the Cam Newton draft at number one overall, so not shocking. But Von Miller, Marcel Darius, A.J. Green, Patrick Peterson, Julio Jones, Alden Smith, Jake Locker, Tyron Smith, Blaine Gabbert, J.J. Watt at 11. So really, the only, I would say, three definite mistakes was Alden Smith, Locker, and Gabbert. But the others, I can reasonably see what was going on but just mind-blowing. And then after that, Christian Ponder, Nick Fairley were busts. And (laughs) then Robert... (laughs) Nick Fairley? Yeah. I remember Nick Fairley. What a guy. Robert Quinn, Mike Pouncey, and Ryan Kerrigan. Whoa, boy. This was a loaded top end of that draft. If you had to redraft the rookie wide receivers this year, Will, so like Mm -hmm. all of them, including JSN, including Addison, including QJ... Puka's obviously included in this, Jaden Reed, uh, uh, quite a few of them. Who 
is the guy that you would take over everybody else. And please don't say Puka Nakua. No, it, it, as much as I love Puka, and as obviously the start of the year has been great, I I think number one, it would, it would definitely, I don't think it would be JSN. I know he's talented, hasn't shown it yet. He's definitely the wide receiver three in that offense. The move would be Zay Flowers as the number one wide receiver and Jordan Addison number two. Ooh, that's a little bit shocking, Will. Did you uh, what? Did you think I was going to say Addison one? Yes, I did. Mm. Now there's something about there's something about Zay. I know Addison is great, but it does help as far as him being the other other guy, and Justin Jefferson being on the field at the same time. Whereas you know, even though Odell still Odell, not quite what Odell was, and Bateman. Zay is the featured weapon as far as wide receivers and as far as his explosiveness. I think ultimately Zay is, you know, going to be more likely to be a number one. That's and Addison is always going to be number two I, in Minnesota. That, that, Nothing wrong with that either. Nothing wrong with that either. Yeah, but. I can't be mad at that at all. Um, another underperforming wide receiver that we didn't mention out of the rookie class of 2023, Jonathan Mingo. Jonathan Mingo, at least to me, is somebody who should be playing a lot better than he is. Um, he had the opportunity to come in and really prove himself to be the number one receiver in Carolina because Adam Thielen is old, DJ Chark is hurt, and Hayden Hurst is Hayden Hurst. He really could have come in and taken the reins, and instead he's only had 13 targets over the first two weeks, caught five of them for only 43 yards. I mean, not, not good. Bryce is struggling too. But... I, I get that, kind of. The, o- the only good thing, at least for me, is that Mingo saw 98% of the snaps this week. Well, the thing is, like, yes, we, we want to acknowledge the great rookie starts. But typically those rookies are put in prime positions and also due to lack of better options produce early. I, I like unless a rookie is really struggling, he's the back end of his rookie season and he's getting opportunities and struggling. That's when you start to take notice. I'm not really worried or too concerned a few games in. The rookies that either are not being started or being brought along slowly, you're not seeing them. They'll take some time. But these guys that are getting opportunities early, wait till about week six or seven. And if there's not, you know, a marked improvement over then the, over the first six, you know, five, six weeks, then you start to have that mental conversation. Maybe they're not ready to contribute. I mean, I'm looking at the top 10 wide receivers from this rookie class. Marvin Mims is number six right now, and that's because he had a crazy game this past week. Only had two targets, caught them both for one of them for a very long touchdown. It happens. He's got 26 points on the year. Tank Dell, 27. Pukunakua is the second highest scoring football player in fantasy football this year. More than four times the amount of points of Jackson Smith and Jigba. Well, Puka is literally the only solid receiver on his team. And then Jigba has to deal with Lockett and Metcalf. I understand. But four times the points, Will... That like the free agent bucks that I had were not enough to try to pick him up anywhere, and I'm worried that that's gonna cost me some leagues. I think Puka Nakua could absolutely be a hashtag 
league winner. I'm scared. He could be. And obviously, if even if Cup does come back after four weeks, which it's not a guarantee he does, but even if he does, Cup is still has plenty of room to get his touches, and Puka still can be very good. Is he going to put up 15 catches and 150? Probably not. But at least there's another legitimate weapon drawing attention away from Cooper Cup, and where the fact that he's doing what he's doing with no one really around him is in and of itself, as a rookie, extremely impressive. So if you actually get cut back and there's options in the offense, well, that just opens everything up for everybody. And Kravit, we did one dynasty startup this year. And just imagine being the guy that drafted both Kuka Nakua and Kyron Williams and how that's going. Wait. Oh, so that's, that's this guy. That's this guy right here. Got the full Rams offense rolling. You're a piece of work. You know that? Oh, I have my moments. I hate the fact that I'm one and three against you, but I love the fact that I'm one and three against you. So we're going to keep tabs on that all year. And Will and I are in a lot of leagues together this year, ladies and gentlemen. So there's going to be plenty of time for me to come back against Will. Will, we get it. You're super cool for drafting the for, for drafting the Rams. Mazel tov. I hope when Cooper Cup comes back, it all falls apart for you. I really, truly do. And that's not just because I'm bitter. It's because it's exactly what's going to happen. Nothing more. Such such kind words. Nothing less. That's all the time we've got tonight for this edition of First the Down Dynasty. We wish you luck in all of your matchups this week. And if you could please give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Music or anywhere you find us, whether it be the FDD Ethos on X, Sports Ethos Online, Wherever you decide to find this, thanks for taking the time to take a listen. He's Will. I'm the Crab. We'll see you next week right here on First Down Dynasty. Have a good night, everybody.